0: Lord, as we just sang that song, it just hit a chord with my heart, and I think it's safe to say it has a chord with all of our hearts. We want to be caught up in your presence. We want to know you in deeper ways. We want to know who you are. And so we ask that that would happen in these moments here. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So there's a pastor and author, teacher named Steve Machia, who wrote a book called The Discerning Life. And he opens this book by telling a story about a house that uh, he and his family had for 35 years. It's a very old house in New England. Uh, he and his wife raised their two kids in this house. They're, now the kids are young adults and have left the house, so they're empty nesters and they have this house. And there's something about the house that they thought was totally normal for everybody but it wasn't. But they got used to what was going on. And that is that the house had very, very low water pressure. And so they got used to living with that. They knew if someone is in the shower, you don't open up a faucet or flush a toilet or else you're going to burn them to death, you know, that kind of thing. And so they just lived with it. And they said, and they thought that's how every house in the neighborhood was. Well, uh, they had to get some work done in the house. And uh, the plumber said, you know, actually... It's not a normal thing. You should have a lot more water pressure than what you have. And they said, really? And they said, yeah, well, I think we can do some investigating and find out what's going on here. So uh, they did some checking and uh, I laughed because I laughed first of verse two. It's like, if you know me, you know I have no idea what I'm talking about when I talk about like plumbing and stuff like that. So you should never preach about something you don't know what you're talking about, but here we are. So they have these, they have these things called pipes and uh, pipes have water that go through them, right? And so there's a thing called a main that's in the street and it hooks up to the house and that's how the house gets water, right? So what they found was they looked at the pipe that was going from the road to the house to deliver water and it was all plugged up. And so then they had to dig a little further. They thought they could just dig a little bit, but they had to dig a little further. Then they had to dig a little further and they found that the whole length of their yard had to be ripped up and that whole pipe had to be replaced. So they replaced the pipe and all of a sudden they had pressure like nobody's business. It actually blew out their hot water heater. They had to get a new hot water heater. And they said, we would take a shower, it actually hurt. Like we had no idea that this much pressure was available. And as they talked to the plumber who was working on the problem, he said, in the pipe that you had in the main, you had about a nail's head width of opening for the water to go from the main to the house. Steve Machia points out that many Christians are satisfied with about a nails' width of God in their life. That's just enough. That's all we need. We get satisfied with just a simple nails' width And it's not because we're evil people. And it's not because we don't like God. It's because we're human. And as humans, we have a tendency to drift and we have a tendency to wander. And we have a tendency to get what I call attention overload in the world we live in, where we are just bombarded by everything for our attention. In order to experience more of God, our heart attention has to expand to take more of God in. But we live in such a society and in a culture that wars against that. And so we are a church of drifters and wanderers who want more of God. And so if that's you, welcome. That's kind of what I'm gonna be talking about today because Jesus offers us a different path. Jesus offers us a different way. Jesus said this in John 10:10. He said, I have come that they may have life and have it not a nail's head with, but have it to the full. To have this full life. That's Jesus' desire that we would have this full, eternal life. Jesus gives this incredible offer to weary human beings. And he says, this is what I freely want to give you. I want to give you full life. His unmistakable desire is for his followers to come and experience his life-changing presence, his life-changing purity, his life-changing power, and his life-changing peace, all because of love. As followers of Jesus Christ, we have in front of us what that old hymn says, where it says, here is love, vast as the ocean, loving kindness like a flood. I don't know if you've ever seen the ocean, but if you think that that, as far as you can see, is one drop is God's love, and that's all he has and more for who we are. When you begin to comprehend that, that nails, with, nail's head width begins to expand. We get easily duped into a system of busyness. We get easily duped into a system of fake loves. We get easily duped into a system of counterfeit sources of life. When God is saying, I want you to have true, eternal life. And that begins with knowing me. Our mission here at Crossview Church is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we want to be about. Leading people, no matter where they are, in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And one of the things that we do to make that happen is one of our values, which is seeking God in prayer. We pray so that people will be led into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray so that our eyes and our hearts will be opened. And so then all of a sudden, instead of a nail's, width, a nails head width, we have this big opening flowing of God's love. That takes prayer. Prayer is really, really important And the reason prayer is really, really important is because God is really, really important. And prayer brings us to God. Prayer isn't this great thing in and of itself. It's great because it brings us to God and who He is. And so we're in this series called prayer. And when I kicked off this series, I said there's three types of prayer that we see in the Bible. One is this connecting with God prayer, which is what we're going to talk about today. Then there's this thing called intercessory prayer, praying for others and praying for things outside ourselves. We're going to talk about that next week. And then there's this thing called petition prayer, where we bring and ask God for our needs. All of them are great. And this morning, I want to focus on this connecting prayer, which is us receiving the invitation from God to know him more. Jesus offers us something really, really special. He offers an invitation to be with Him, and to live our lives in a place where we are with Him. And so we're going to look at that today. But before we do, I have a promotion to tell you about. As we've been going through this prayer, uh, there's a common theme that has come up in life groups. A common theme has come up in individuals. A common theme has come up in emails and questions is what about when I pray and nothing happens? That's real. That, that's reality. What about when I pray and nothing happens? And we talked about that a little bit in previous talks, but on Sunday, March 12th, don't miss church. Sunday, March 12th, we have a special guest speaker, Chris Dolson from Blackhawk Church is gonna be here. And Chris has done a whole talk on that topic that's just phenomenal. And so I called him and said, hey, what are you doing March 12th? Would you like to close out this series? And he said, sure, I'd love to come to Wisconsin Rapids to do that. So he's going to be here. And it's going to be a great, great talk to hit what you've been asking about. So mark March 12th. Please don't miss that Sunday as we wrap up the series on prayer. With that, if you have a Bible, I encourage you to open it up to John chapter 1. We're going to be covering four verses in this section and one verse in another place. Curtis did an awesome job reading this for us. I just want to read it again so that you see it in your Bible. John chapter 1, verses 35 to 39. It says this. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. Okay, so that John he's talking about is John the Baptist. And so John was there with two of his disciples and then all of a sudden, Jesus was passing by and John the Baptist said, look, there's the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him because they knew that John always talks about this guy, the Lamb of God, the Son of God, Jesus. And he saw him and he said, there he is. And so the two went over there. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Verse 38, turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? I love it when Jesus asks us questions. So invitational. They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see, invitational. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent the day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. So they saw where he was, and they spent the day with him. Wouldn't it be amazing to spend a day with God incarnate? with God in human form. They spent the day with him. What we see in this text is what I'm going to call a stay with me invitation from Jesus. A stay with me invitation. John's two disciples knew who John was talking about when he said, there is the lamb of God. There's the one who has come to take away the sins of the world. They know this is the promised one and they follow. And Jesus is so invitational. He doesn't try to get away from them. He doesn't cut corners. He asks them what they want. Jesus never forces himself on anyone. A relationship with Jesus can't be forced. It can't be pressured. It can't be manipulated. It's always invitational. Growing closer to God is always invitational. The invitation is there for anybody, but you take the step forward Spiritual growth cannot be manipulated, forced, or pressured. It's always an invitation for the person to decide. And here's the decision that's on the table. Will I accept this invitation for a deeper friendship with God or not? That's the invitation that's open to any human being. Will I accept this invitation for a deeper friendship with God or not? And Jesus calls us to this stay-with-me place. He calls us to this stay-with-me place where we find out not only who he is, but who we are in light of him, our true self. He invites us to be with him. The God of the universe wants to hang out with you. He wants to stay with you. Verse 38 When it says, turning around, they saw Jesus. Jesus asked them, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? See that word staying? The original Greek word there is a Greek word named meno, and you know what it means? It means staying. Pretty novel, huh? It's bigger than that. It's staying. It's stay with me. It's continue with me. It's endure with me. It's this place where I'm going to hang out with God. We see that same word, the next verse, 39, come and you will see. So they went to where he was staying, where he was hanging out. And they spent the day, that spent the day is that word again. They, they hung out with him. This invitation from Jesus has a, if you allow me to make up a word, a stay with it to it. It's a stay with me invitation. Come. The God of the universe is saying, be with me. He wants nothing more than to hang out with you. He wants nothing more than to reside with you throughout your day. Jesus is inviting us to not just a moment, but a lifestyle of continually being in his presence, continually living off of his power, continually experiencing his peace in all arenas of life. God longs for us to linger in his presence because there we find true, abundant life. I think over time it's possible for Christians To have the childlike wonder that we have about God kicked out of us through life. To have the childlike wonder dissipate. It's like our hearts can harden against the amazing presence of God. And when this happens, we start to depend more on our own human capabilities than God himself. We begin to trust ourselves more than we trust God we tend to become more critical. We tend to become more angry. We tend to become more hardened, more dependent, more cynical, more resistant. It becomes harder to convince us of God's amazing goodness. And the truth is some of us are in that place here this morning, where the love of Jesus has become like this distant memory. Where the love of Jesus has become something for others but not so much for me. Where the love of Jesus is being all about like this church system or this religious program but it doesn't give me any life right now and it's left you longing and it's left you looking for more. And when you're in that spot where you're looking for more you begin to look for soul fulfillment in other places. And when we do that, here is what we forget. The inner reservoir of the soul can still be reopened by God. The inner reservoir of the soul can still be reopened by God. We can be refilled with the love of God and reawakened to the awe of God over and over and over and over again. There's not a soul that's too far gone that God can't reawaken with his wonder and he can't refill with his love you're not too far gone. You're not too resistant. You're not too hardened for the love of God. God looks at us with a profound affection and a deep love, and he delights in us. And his delight and affection for us is so strong that it can dismantle what the world has done to try to destroy our souls. His love is so strong, it can reawaken a cold, stony heart. And all you have to do is accept the invitation. Stay with me. Well, don't I have to, like, do some things first to get myself in order? No, just come. Stay with me. As you are right now, Come stay with me. Whatever you've done, whatever you regret, whatever you wish you can go back and change, you lay all that at the foot of the cross, and you just come. And he's there. I remember throughout my life moments where God's presence was so strong. I I still remember when I was like 9 or 10 years old, and I was down the block from our house at a, in a backyard of a Lutheran pastor's house who they're having a mini VBS in their backyard. I remember sitting on top of this pop-up camper and they're explaining to me what Jesus did for me on the cross. And I remember even being that, that little guy just sensing God's presence. I remember 12 years old going to Camp Timberley and for the first time hearing why Jesus died on the cross. What was that all about? What was happening there? And the presence of God was so strong. I remember being 16 and my parents going through a divorce. And how do you deal with all that? And the presence of God was so strong and he brought all these male role models into my life to teach me about God and what he was like. I remember being 26 and getting married to the love of my life, Pam, and just sensing God's presence so strong. There are these moments where God overwhelms us with his presence, where it goes from this nail head's width to this full open place, and it's just so amazing. And we think, okay, but why isn't it like that all the time? Because it's not. While we walk on this earth, while we're in this period of called sanctification, we talked about this process between the time we give our lives to Christ and the time Jesus comes back there's this process, and we don't sense the presence all the time. But here's what I think happens. We put our hearts before the Lord all the time. We stay attentive all the time. And sometimes God says, you know what, I'm going to grace you and overwhelm you with my presence right now. Check it out. And we say, wow, God, you are so good. And then the next day he says, you know what, I'm going to give you some grace, but I want you to grow here a little bit. I want you to keep following me, even when it, you can't figure it out, even in the fog, even when it's cloudy, even when it's tough, I want you to keep walking with me. I'm, I'm still here, I'm still here, but you may not sense the big, huge, wide open presence of God, but I'm still here. It doesn't mean I haven't gone away. And there's good in both. There's good in the feeling of the awe of the God and the wonder of God, and there's good in the stretching. But here's the thing. If our hearts are never attentive towards God, we won't experience either. We'll miss those times where he wants to go full open with us. There is this pastor named Ed Dobson who in 2000 came down with a serious form of cancer. And he heard about this pastor. Well, he knew about this pastor in their city. There was a group of pastors that would get together and pray. And this one pastor in the city he knew was really about praying for people, especially when they were sick. And this pastor actually would pray for people and saw some people get healed. And he said, I, he called him up and said, hey, would you just come to my house and pray with me as a friend? And he said, I'd love to do that. So he came to his house and he was there. And Ed Dobson said, it was one of the most moving evenings of my entire life. He said this pastor first began telling me stories of people he prayed for that were miraculously healed. Then he said he also told stories about people he prayed for who were not healed in that moment and passed away. But then the passing they received an ultimate and final healing. But before he prayed for me, he said, he gave me this amazing advice. He said, Ed, don't become obsessed with getting healed. Don't become obsessed with getting healed because if you become obsessed with getting healed, you will lose your true focus. Get lost in the wonder of God and who knows what he will do for you. Don't get obsessed with getting healed. Get lost in the wonder of God and who knows what he will do? He said it was the best advice he's ever received in his life. And he said, since that night, I've begun trying to stay lost in the wonder of God. And I think what God is saying to us, we told you during this prayer series to pick three things to pray for. And what I want to tell you is don't get obsessed with your thing coming to reality. Pray that thing. Boldly ask God, War and ask God to make that happen. But don't get obsessed with that being fulfilled. Get lost in the wonder of God. Because no matter what happens when you do that, you win. No matter what happens, your soul can be fulfilled. God wants his children to know that he resides in their midst with a love that can make us whole. And living in the presence of Jesus is not just this one-time moment thing, but the invitation is for a way of life. It's for a relationship with him. It's not just a stay-with-me invitation, but it's a stay-with-me relationship with Jesus. If you have a Bible, turn a few pages to John 15, or go to John 15 if you have an electronic version. John 15, verse 4. It says, remain in me. Guess what that word remain is originally? Menno. Stay with. Same word. Jesus is saying, stay with me. And when you do that, guess what? I also stay with you. And then he paints this picture. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. And he said, I am the vine. Neither you can bear fruit unless you remain in me. This is an amazing picture of this invitation that he gives us to a lifestyle of relationship with him. We stay with him and he stays with us. And then full life comes. The nails head with gets busted open into a full, wide-open flow of God's presence because we are abiding, we are remaining, we are staying with Him. We're growing deeper in the knowledge of God and the love of God, a life that prayerfully notices God and is attentive to God. Let me say that again. A life that prayerfully notices God, because we can live life at Mach 4 and not even notice God's around. A life that prayerfully notices God and is attentive to God. This stay with me is not just a practice. It's a relationship that he's offering to all. This is the heart of of God. He wants to be with us throughout our day, throughout our life, through the high times, through the low times, through the very ordinary times. When we receive this invitation to be with Jesus, to remain in his presence, to notice Jesus in our life, it's in that place we begin to experience the abundant life that he offers us, that he talked about. Living in his presence is not intended to be just a moment here and there, It needs to start there. But it is a lifestyle of us being attentive to us paying attention to what's going on in our heart. Many of you know we have this nine-month-old puppy named Theo that we love, but also drives us nuts. And I've been taking him to these training classes, these dog training classes, and he graduated last Sunday night. I don't know if I can't say with honors, but he's done. So I brought him home after about an hour and a half of training. I opened the door. I unleashed him. He goes up. Pam was upstairs right at our living room, and he immediately ran to Pam, and then he went and he sat down right in front of her and just looked at her. And you know what Pam said? She said, Theo, I can tell you were at training. I thought that was interesting. I said, how can you tell? And she said, look at how attentive he is. He's waiting for a command because he wants another treat. He wants the joy, that delight. He's waiting. He's waiting for direction. That's how our souls should be before God. Attentive. Paying attention. Waiting for direction. Noticing. What is God doing? So how do you do that? What does that look like? an author named Christy Knuckles wrote a book called The Life You Long For. And if any of this is kind of resonating with you and you're saying, man, I want more of that, I highly recommend this book, The Life You Long For by Christy Knockles. But in this book, she talks about an approach to life that helps create that attentiveness, that creates that noticing. And she says there's these rings of life, an outer ring, an inner ring and in the center. And the outer ring is kind of like the tasks that we do in life, our work, our activities, our to-do lists, the things that we have to get done, the things that we do in life, the, the things that our calendar gets filled up with, everything in that outer ring so quickly. And these are the things that we do to function in life. This is on the outer ring. Then the next ring in the middle ring is our relationships that are closest to us, our family and, and closest friends. The people we love the most in this world are in that next ring. And then she says the middle ring is what she calls the beloved. That place where God calls you child. That place where God says, I love you and I delight in you and you have no idea how much my heart so delights in who you are. It's that place where we sense that presence of God And she says, this is kind of our life. And she says, what we tend to do by default, not because we're evil, not because we're cruel, because we're wanderers and drifters, what we do by default is we start life on the outside ring. We wake up in the morning and bam, we get right into our schedule. We get it all done, task, 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 task. Make it happen make the calls, do this, go to the kids' activities, watch that, take the dog to training, do these things. We get all the activities and we go, 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 go. And then at the end of that day when it ends, we now step into the ring of the relationships that are closest to us. And you know what? We're pretty tired because we try to make it all happen in that outer ring. And so the people we love the most get our second best. At times they get worse, don't they? More than that from us because we've exhausted everything on the outer ring. And so that's what we give the people that are closest to us in the middle ring. And then what do you think the center happens? There's just nothing left. And no wonder we have a whole church, a whole body full of Christians that are really content with just a nails head width of God. Because there's no space in the intentiveness of our heart to pay attention anymore. Because we've been killed on that outer ring And we go in. And so Christy Knuckles said, what if we flip that? What if we start with the beloved? What if we wake up and we start our day with, God, I want to be with you today. God, I want to open your word and have you show me who you are. God, I want my heart expanded to pay attention to you and realize that this is the best part of my whole day right here. This is where I want to live. This is where I want to grow. This is where I want to linger. And then we, with that same energy, go to that next ring, to the people we love the most. Now they have us with hearts filled with God's presence. Now we can love them like Christ taught us to love them. Now we can love them with a power not just on ourselves. Now we can love them infused by the power of the Holy Spirit and watch them and the people around us grow into what God has. And then we deal with the outer ring. And then when we go to the outer ring, we're on a mission from God. Because he's told us how much he loves us. He told us he's a, we are his beloved. Filled us with his love. And now we step into that outer ring filled with the presence of God. Carrying that presence into our to-do lists. Carrying that presence into our schedule. What if we flipped it? Now some of you may say that's reality never going to happen. But just I want you this week just to try to mentally picture that and see what happens. As I close, I want to give us a way of how to do that. How do we flip and start with the center? It's a way of praying to bring you more into God's presence. Now, I just want to put a caveat that I know when it comes to prayer, not one size fits all but there are a lot of principles out there. And the church throughout the ages has done some overarching things that have helped people connect with God and and grow in his presence. So I'm just going to give you some things that will help you be honest with God, to tell him your heart, to accept his invitation, to stay with him. Now I'm going to be extremely practical here and pastoral, and there's a tension On prayer series because I told you in the first talk on prayer that prayer is really really simple just talk to God we don't want to make it too complicated we want it to be real simple but the tension is on the other side is we have people who are among us in our church family are like saying how do I pray I don't know how to talk to God and that's real too and so yes it's simple and if you're here and you have this amazing prayer life with God keep going keep praying but if you're over here and you're wondering, I never really prayed like that, never, we want to help you and give you, we would be wrong to blow that off and say, it's just simple, just do it. So there's this tension that we have to cover on both sides that we want to help, and that's what I'm trying to do here. So this isn't the only way to pray. It's just a way, and it's very, very practical. And as always, I encourage us all to always start small. If we want to move from a nail's head width to full open, it starts with us giving God more of our time in small increments and to get in a habit of that. And it's really, really, really important. Here's why. Because I believe the soul is the most neglected part of us. In the environment we live in, the culture we live in, the time and age, The soul is the most neglected part of us. And I'm becoming more and more convinced that for deep spiritual growth, we need eventually large blocks of time with God. But you have to start somewhere. And so I encourage you to carve out 10 to 15 minutes a day and commit to doing that for the next 30 days. Some like mornings, some like evenings, Some bring their Bible and put in their car in the lunch hour and go out to their car. Whatever you got to do. Just commit to doing this with one sole purpose in mind. To stay with Jesus. To be with Him. Let that be your focus. Accept that invitation. So we put these steps on a bookmark card that you can get at the Welcome Center if you don't have one already. But the first step is just to pause but take 30 seconds to a minute and just sit in silence and allow the tornado of activity that's in your heart and your mind to just settle down. And here's what I encourage you to do in the silence. As you're sitting in the silence, I'd, I'd encourage you just to ask this question, what am I noticing that's going on inside of me right now? What am I noticing? Is it anxiety? Is it stress? Is it anger? And then invite God into that. This may seem weird, but knowing your inner terrain is so important because you know why? That's where God speaks. That's where God guides. That's where God leads. And so it's important to know that. So take some time and just be in silence and think through what are you noticing? You know, brain research is showing that the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning is so critical. The first thing you do is so critical a friend of mine capitalizing off that said, the minute I wake up, I, I try to think of the words of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. Today I shall not want. God, you're going to shepherd me today in a way I can't even imagine. And he tunes his heart into that, leans into that place. It's a good practice at the end of your day as well to sit and before you put your head on the pillow say, where did I notice God in my life today? What am I noticing? What am I attentive to? The next thing is relate. Take a few minutes and just be in God's presence, but maybe this will lead you into confession. Remember, we talk about this process of becoming like Jesus. The theological word is sanctification, and in sanctification, it's good to have a regular practice of repenting and confessing your sin because we're not perfect yet. And so maybe in that place you confess your sin before God. Maybe this is a place where you take the Crossview Bible reading plan and you read a scripture and you look at and notice a word in the scripture. You just camp on that for a while. And if you don't get to the rest of the steps, so what? Just stay with Jesus. Just be with him. Read it a couple times and say, where do I notice God in this verse? What is he doing? What is he calling my attention to? And then ask. This is where You can bring those things that you need to God. God, I need these things. You're a loving Father. Here's what I need. We told you to pray for three things through this series. Bring those three things in this moment of ask. And lastly, yield. Yield means to surrender your heart to God. And in this process of yield, here's the phrase I want to encourage you to think through. Where do I practice a preference for God? where do I practice a preference for God? Where does God get top billing? Where does God's ways get the preference? Where is God preferred in my life? That's a position of yielding. Practicing because it's a practice. Practicing a preference for God in all things. There's no stopwatch necessary. I got you know, two minutes on P, two minutes on 3. No, just, just start. And if you get lost in one of them, just be there. Some would say, we don't need to do this. Just go out there and serve. Just to go out there and serve. I guess my question would be, what are we going to give those that we serve? Are we going to give them our busyness? Are we going to give them our nails with, nails head with of God. When you spend time with God like this, when you begin to stay with Jesus, you know what he does? He gives you eyes to see God He gives you ears to hear God's voice. He gives you a heart inclined to his ways and his direction and he gives you hands to serve other people. And your ministry and serving now comes out of an overflow of being the beloved, an overflow of knowing how much God loves you, that you are his dearly loved child and then that love spills out over into others. There's nothing greater than to be near God and to not live with just a nail's head width. The psalmist said this in Psalm 7:3, but as for me, it is good to be near God. It is good to be near God. Abraham Kuyper, a theologian, politician, and statesman, wrote this: To be near is to be so close to God that your eye sees. Your heart is aware of, and your ears hear him, and every cause of separation has been removed. That's where I want to live. I don't know about you, but that's where I want to live. You know why? Because it's good to be near God. In fact, it's the best. Let's pray.